Welcome back to Queer Alien Blast. Before we recap episode 211, today we wanted to take a minute to show our support to um, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and what's happening in the United States. Uh, we'll have some links to um, resources and donation links, um, petitions, etc. Uh, when we post this episode so if you can take a minute to look them over if you can donate uh sign the petitions call your representatives whatever you can um something that we should say is that this is the beginning of pride month um and i think that is that is important to us as a podcast but um as we've seen more and more people talking about it you know you can't really celebrate pride month <clears throat> and not support you know, Black Lives Matter. Um, and they, they go hand in hand with the history of, of what pride represents and, and the history of the gay, right, gay rights movement in this country. So we hope that, you know, if you take time to, to celebrate pride this month, that that also means that you're taking time to, to listen and to take part in the Black Lives Movement. Right. And we'll have also um, queer-specific uh, resources for... Um, Black LGBTQ um, organizations and funds, etc., with the links. So, if you want to take the time to do that as well. Okay, so uh, we'll start the recap by talking about uh, what happens at the crashdown. So, with Liz and Diego mainly. Um, so, the episode actually opens with a flashback to um, Liz and Diego in. Denver, I believe they were, before Liz left. Um, and since I wasn't here to say this last um, in the last episode, I am baffled like you guys were that she left that man. Because honestly, <laughs> he's perfect. So what are you doing with this worm behind my back? Oh, administering a lethal dose of radiation to observe a particular neoblast. Don't be jealous. Of the neoblast? It's a regenerative master cell. The only one with this protein. I mean, this particular cell was able to multiply, diversify, and reanimate my worm. Wait, so observing a master gets you the underlying mechanisms of tissue regeneration? Then, then I apply the mechanism to human tissue, and irreversible injury and degradation become distant memory. God, I, I mean, I know, I know that's not going to happen in our lifetime, but... Babe. This could be a step up. Elizabeth. You, you are once in a lifetime. You are extraordinary. Limits don't apply. And everything we saw in the flashback, where's this lack of connection that she was talking about? Because that was a lot of connection. And maybe it's something that she felt personally, and that's fine. But how it presents to us is there's a whole lot of connection there. So right. He's, I mean, I know he's going to end up being like evil or something, but... You know it. You know it. He was asking too many questions. 
So far, he's like perfect. That is a whole man. And I do not understand how you have that right in front of you. And you choose Max. Well, and he's just so so understanding of her work. Uh, you know, granted, we may find out something different, but he's just, he gets it. He talks to her about it. He's interested. He's, I don't know. I, I feel like, especially considering that she's withholding things from Max at this point about her work and keeping him away from the lab and all of that. You know, that's an interesting juxtaposition. I mean, he's 100% going to be evil. I, this episode convinced me, but... Maybe not necessarily evil, but definitely, like, going to be in conflict with what Liz is doing. I think I think maybe not evil, but definitely not sharing maybe her goals for what she wants to do. Um, as far as you know, scientific research goes, I don't I don't really want him to be evil because we'll talk about this later. But this show's tendency to have people of color as the evil um big evils of each season um is is continuing um apparently um so i don't want him to be evil honestly just that detail only but um definitely it would be interesting to see conscious like him and liz having conflict of you know choosing what to do with the research and stuff because I, I think that will play a part in the cliffhanger of this season, Liz's research because there's been such a focus on it. Um, so I think that will be the big cliffhanger. I don't know. Um, so what I did want to focus on, um, which was also a big part of the episode, is Liz um, talking about the immigrant experience. So we have we have her actually talking about it and then we have the scene with ice showing up at a crashdown. So she talks about it um, in one of the flashbacks about um, getting her research published, uh, if I remember correctly. And um, she breaks down because she remembers being young and not having, you know, not having that not dream in her head, but like the possibility of that being of that dream being um, possible. Um, so that was a lovely scene. Uh, Janine is like my one certainty in the show is that Janine will bring it week after week after week. So that was an amazing. Oh yeah, you can feel like Liz's anger and how hopeless she feels and how much she doesn't want to rely on people like Diego to help. Like she wants to be able to do it herself or, you know, um, feels a little bit lost that she has to look to other people. But I do think that this is, I mean, such a great, like well-rounded view of Liz that she is, you know, so very like stubborn and she's going to say exactly what she thinks and, you know, learning that other people also want to help. Um, I hope, Diego wants to help for good reasons and good purposes, you know. Um, but even in general, outside of Diego, like looking to other people for support and help. So um, I, that's the best part of the season so far has been Janine, I think. I mean, I don't know what this show would be without Janine of Lamis. I mean, truly. Um, I mean, it's just like every 
scene is just so powerful. And her standing up to the ICE agents, you know, was, I mean, was beautiful. Tell you what, coffee's on the house if you take it to go. Ooh. Sounds pretty entitled for Mexican. With a criminal record. You do know I own this place, right? I can refuse service to racist dicks. Oh, it's a shame you'd be good looking if it wasn't for that ugly mouth. Oh, do you want to know what my ugly mouth can do? This maybe don't. My ugly mouth can tell the ACLU that you, Chad Hinkle, were on track to miss your monthly quota when you violated the Fourth Amendment by yanking my dad out of a hospital. Now that you're here, my mouth can tell my lawyer to press misdemeanor stalking charges. My mouth can say that your sister's kid goes to a school in a district she does not live in. But hey, that's just from Google. You listen, bitch. No. You want to destroy my family over a bogus vandalism charge? Why do we have to be perfect to deserve to exist within some arbitrary border? Why is it okay for you to screw up, but not me? And that's such a that's such a timely scene. It's it's very that it aired this week when we're when police brutality and police um, bullying and going past you know what's considered right to have that scene air this week is so timely and I, it was so good and i like that liz kind of got to stand her ground and then diego's diego had that second where he's like liz maybe not and then when she's like no i'm gonna do this he just kind of stood back there and he's like okay let's let's watch this happen because i think the fear is that if she unleashes and says what she really thinks right like you, you hear that a lot from people of color who don't really get to say what they think to police or to, you know, federal agents in that way because they're, you know, you don't know how they're going to respond. And they're, you have to sort of be a whole new level of like nice or you never know if you're going to get hurt or killed or arrested. Um, and so, you know, it was interesting, if maybe not always real, if not realistic to see Liz, you know, unleash in, in that way. Then what we see is, um, again, this amazing, I think we'll, we're getting an amazing well-rounded character in Liz because then at the end of the episode, we see, um, or like she outright lied to him uh, and says she wasn't going to continue doing them, um, which is interesting because she's not a perfect, you know, a perfect heroine. Um, and that's very interesting. It's, it's always very interesting to see well-rounded characters. And also, I think the most interesting thing is that we see conflict in their relationship because I think a lot of the time they've, they've had, you know, arguments and fight and big fights, but um, it was, a lot of the time it was because of outside reasons more than just what they're doing themselves in the relationship. Um, so it was interesting to see their relationship put to the test a little bit because I feel like this season from when Max is brought back to life, it was very, you know, um, lovey-dovey, everything's okay. Um, well, right, there was no depth, really. I mean, it was just a lot of very sweet scenes and a lot of I love yous and calling each other sunshine and like all of those things that... I'm sure shippers love and, you know, but in a show like Roswell, you know, that just doesn't add a whole lot of depth to it. Mm -hmm. And there's other relationships on this show that I have the same complaint for that right. if you're, if you're going to have be in sort of an angsty show and no one can really be happy then having this like weirdly happy 
relationship, you know, stands out and doesn't really add anything. Yeah. Um, what Liz is doing is unethical. And I, I, and I hope that, that she comes to that realization or that hubris is, is part of the last couple of episodes, because especially given the history of, you know, this country, you don't take, you know, essentially like body parts or cells from other people and then, you know, use them and manipulate them for your, you know, for whatever scientific endeavor you're looking towards. Like it's especially without the explicit permission, like it just doesn't work that way. Uh, oh, I mean, it has it has done worked that way in the past. It shouldn't. So I'm I'm interested to see if that she's going to come face to face with that. Mm-hmm. Especially because um, I'm not sure how science works, but my thinking would be that if she does get to a point where she can actually do something with this antidote or whatever she comes up with, alien DNA. Wouldn't she have to explain that she used alien DNA? Like, she would expose them. Yes. <laughs> like, you can't just... Yeah, you can't just create something. Right. I mean, she's saying, like, oh, I'll keep you safe. But, I mean, the way that the scientific community works, is she would have to lay out every single step, and then it would have to be replicated by someone else. Like... I think she has it in her mind that she can do all of this under the why, like, you know, like under the table and sort of no one will know. And then she will have this. It's just and she knows that that's not how it works. I think that's how you know that she's a little like blinded by the things that she's discovering because she knows very well that that's not how science works. Yeah, I think she just kind of is hyper focused and has almost tunnel vision. You know, I think that she wants to help Steph, first of all, which I, okay. She's got this tunnel vision where I don't think that she's really thinking about the consequences of what she's doing and what it means. She just wants to get to this point where she can, I think part of it's kind of goes back to that flashback back scene where she's talking about how she never thought that, you know, she would get to, to do this kind of work and be recognized for it. And so now she wants to get to this point where she she wants to prove, I can do this. Like they said, I couldn't do it and I can, and I've proven it. I don't think that she's necessarily thinking about the steps that she'll have to take or the consequences of, the, of her actions, whether or not they're ethical or not. I don't think she's really thinking about that at this point. She's asking a lot of Max. To say, you know, don't worry about it. I'll protect you. And, and yes, I think Liz would do everything she could to protect the aliens and not let this get out. But the minute she did anything with this scientific research, there would be no protecting anyone. Like, there, you know, that's why this is so dangerous. And I think Max realizes that and why they were always so afraid before of doctors and, and things like that. Because they know very well what would happen if suddenly the world at large discovered that alien DNA could fix, you know, X, Y, and Z. I mean, they would never be safe. So moving on to Max and Kyle, which for me was a very interesting part of the episode. Um, I It was their coming out episode. <laughs> I genuinely, I love their dynamic. I genuinely do. Like the moment that they moved past... Um, you're my girlfriend's ex um, kind of dynamic, which lasted maybe two episodes in season one. 
you know, when when Liz slept with Kyle. Um, but the moment that they move past that, they have a very interesting dynamic. Um, they obviously don't really like each other. But um, it was very interesting to see. It was very fun to see in a way that maybe Kyle and Alex dynamic was um, in season one. So, yeah, I loved it. And honestly, my favorite was um, it literally it looked so physically painful for Max to say, you're a good person. <laughs> like you could see like the way that Nathan played that was beautifully because you could tell he's just like, fuck me. I don't want to say this. And then he spits it out because it's true. And also they have a friendship that I think is infinitely more interesting or not more interesting, but different than Kyle and Alex. Like I would be intrigued to see more Max and Kyle because they do have that. Because if you're going to force all these like love triangles and like weird things, I mean, that is a built in interesting dynamic already. Um, I, it true. I saw someone on Tumblr was talking about them being the Hardy boys and it really was like <laughs> just like solving crimes together. That was the, it was, an amazing part of the episode. But um, they, they're they a little bit gay for one another. Like, sorry. Like, Max, you're already, like, you with Diego, you're a little, you're already open to things. So, just saying. I mean, can you can you blame Max? I mean, it's, it's Kyle. Isn't everyone attracted to Kyle at this point? Also, the choice of having Kyle being drunk for, like, half of the episode was just perfect for the dynamic. I loved it. Oh, and like, what a mood. What a mood for him to be like eating pizza and then like asking for a bottle of whiskey to be left. Like, okay. That's like, especially now. That's, yes, I feel you, Kyle. Kyle is drunk for up for the episode and eating pizza at a bar. Uh, is that he's, he's being subs- suspended uh, at the hospital because um, they blame him for... Um, having taken the resources from the hospital machines and stuff, um, which is not inaccurate, um, technically. Um, I would like to see a scene between him and Liz at this point that he's having to shoulder the full blame of it. Um, obviously, because he's the one that works there and got Liz there, but... Um, it would be interesting to see what the resolution of that would be because he knew, I mean, he did it knowing that that could be, you know, dangerous for him. But um, still, um, it's not really 100% fair that this is all on him. That obviously connects with the scene that he has with Steph at the end of the episode, um, which I felt like that was, um, I felt very empathetic towards Steph maybe for the first or second time this season um because it's true I mean what she tells him about um you know having taken machines that could have been used to cure her or you know other patients and um you know among other things her dad being under pressure because of it um but it's true I mean they all have a to some extent, every character this season has shown a tunnel vision, you know, some more than others, but um, that sometimes is true selfishness and sometimes is selfishness as far as the main character group goes. So there, ha- there, 
they're being generous towards their inner group of friends but you know if you widen the vision a little bit they are being selfish so that was an interesting scene of kind of putting things into perspective for Kyle going back to Max and Kyle is that they do go on this kind of Hardy Boys quest um, to find out more about the abductions and they um, break into Flynn's house part of me I do not remember why they do it but they do find out that Flynn's was the shooter at um, the abandoned railway or whatever where, wherever they found Jenna so he was the one that shot Charlie who we still haven't seen where is she? We don't know. And then they have this amazing little scene in the closet. You think it's safe? Maybe. Dude. Anyone ever tell you you smell like rain? Which I've been saying, I said before, the amount of time that Kyle spent in closets this season. I'm not saying he's leading somewhere, but it should be leading somewhere. It, uh, it's interesting to me that we had only ever heard the rain thing in like romantic situations, or not, maybe not romantic situations, because not with Alex and Michael, but between romantic partners. <laughs> Kyle turns to Max and it's like, oh, you know, you, you smell like rain. And I'm like, Maybe it's some weird alien pheromone that, like, when they're turned on, it's just, like, rain smell. So, Max. That scene was delightful. I love Kyle. I've missed Kyle so much. I mean, we, we talk about missing Alex, and that's, you know, I support that 100%. But I miss Kyle so much. I mean, he's just... Ooh. Every scene that he's in, he's funny... He's relatable. He's like everyone's dad. Like he's like the voice of reason. Like he, yeah, I, I I need him to like never be gone from an episode again. Like re redo their contracts because this is crap. Okay, so next topic is Isabel and Rosa. I have to take a moment to say that. I have missed Rosa so much. Uh, she's generally probably one of my favorite characters this season. And Isabel is too. Um, I was thinking th about this before. She's probably the one that grew the most this season. And whose characterization has also been the most consistent, I feel, this season. Within this season and with regards to last season. So I love their dynamic. Um, they're always hilarious together, but I do feel that this episode, we had a level of respect um, between them that we didn't have before. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed their scenes that we didn't like. They didn't had add much to the to the episode as far as plot goes, but um, I really, I really enjoyed them. Um. I think it was so beautiful to see their friendship being rekindled without the Noah of it all being there. Like it was that at the heart of it, they did spend time together as teenagers. You know, now that's a lot of that's been, you know, sort of muddled because of Noah. But 
they genuinely, I think, could really be good friends, you know. And I think Isabel, especially given what Isabel went through and how much she really has changed from, the, you know, the beginning of this, this series until now, really. I think she could be, like, the best person to help Rosa. Because she's not, I don't think she's going to come at Rosa with any judgment and without, you know, it's hard for Liz to stay, you know, to help Rosa because she's, I mean, they're so close and she loves her so much and it's hard to say, you know, objective. But I think, I think Isabel is a good pairing for Rosa in that friendship way. Uh, I have an unpopular opinion about them that I know neither of y'all are going to agree with. I ship them. I think they have great potential. I'd not not in this season, but in the future, I I see it. I'd like to see them together. I can't let go of Rosa's the fact that she's still mentally and physically and emotionally a nineteen year old. Like, and, and I don't know that you could ever change that in my eyes. Um, like even saying beeswax in this episode reminds me that she's so young and, and still in, in, in like every way. And so I don't know. I mean, there's certainly nothing wrong with shipping them, you know, whatever. But I think it just, it was, it's always there in my mind that she's, she's basically still a child. Um, and, 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 and so I don't know how you would ever fix that. Like you can't, unless you know what I mean? Like it would have to be years of Rosa sort of catching up in that way. And I don't know that she ever could. I don't know. Well, and maybe it's it's the kind of, I don't want to say culture, but the environment that I grew up around, It age differences were never really that much of an issue. And she's legal, and she was legal when she died. And so it doesn't, it's not really an issue for me. Um, but I get why people feel that way. I get why you feel that way. I just, me personally, it doesn't, it, it's not going to stop me from shipping it. And I think the age difference, the age difference is not what bothers me. I think it's more that Rosa is stunted in emotionally because, and, 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 you know, psychologically because she was dead for 10 years. You know what I mean? Essentially, like, it's not that there's just an age difference there, but then now she's going to have like severe issues that she's going to have to work through in a show that I don't know that you know, it's that deep, but, and you know, if this were realistic in any way, so that's, I think what is, it's not necessarily the age difference. People are, you know, a decade is nothing in a lot of ways, but I think it's, it's the, it's the psychological part of it. Which is fair. I just, it's inevitable. It's a CW show. It's inevitable that she's going to be given a love interest. And I personally would rather it be someone like Isabel than some rando that comes along. But Right, because, I mean, at this point, what, you know, with love interest for Rosa, what are your options? Having another person who's 19 that matches her mentally or someone who's, you know, 30, who, who's, like, her actual, like, biological age? So, I, and neither one of them are appealing to me personally. So I just have to see sort of what the show does with her character, really. Um, one thing that I really um, enjoyed about the it's a very it's a, maybe a small detail but Rosa actually giving Isabel permission to go inside her 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 mind finally 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 because um correct me if I'm wrong but I think Maria gave her permission or it was a context in which Isabel had permission to do that uh, but we haven't seen Isabel 
do that a lot. Um, ask well, she didn't ask for permission, but at least she waited for permission. You know, she she wasn't gonna jump into Rosa's mind without having permission. So that was really good. It also shows how much Rosa herself has grown this season, um, and how much she she wants to get better, and she probably she knows that she has to face some of those traumatic experiences in her, in her life to um to do that so um it was interesting to see it's probably also because it was a a small way to show that rehab has, has done her good you know um so that was interesting to see um and lastly um that vision or whatever uh prompts rosa to um because the vision was about her seeing Elena at the um, NA meeting. Yeah. And uh, so that prompts her to call Elena um, and her boyfriend, husband, I don't know, um, um, replies to the call. And we find out that she hasn't been back to Nebraska. Is that where she was? Um, Since she left left Roswell. Um, So that also prompts uh, Isabel to break Rosa out of rehab, which uh, was a comical situation. I mean, um, they did it in a way that made it clear that Rosa wasn't doing it because she was going to relapse, which she did, you know, in previous episode, but was, you know, prompted by, uh, you know, wanting to make sure that her mom was okay and, you know, finding finding out what happened so that's also something that's a growth probably for the show the show's writing more than Rosa herself um which was good to see and I mean having Isabel there always makes things funnier so every time and that's one of the reasons I love her she can both be incredibly sad but also make every situation funnier so I, I, I loved every part of their their stuff I loved the scene in the car where she offers to pay for Rosa's rehab with Noah's money. That was beautiful, and I love it, and I hope they follow through with that. You want to stay longer? I want to stay until I'm better. Listen, Noah was a treacherous, serial-killing alien, but he did have a happy knack for day trading. And I've been trying to figure out what to do with all that money that he left behind. Uh, you you don't have to do that. I want to be better, too. The more that I learn about Louise, the more I want to be like her. She was a good person, and she made a difference. Someone told me recently that they saw a lot of her in me. I really want that to be true. Okay, so we continue with our tradition of finishing episodes off with Malik's stuff. Uh, we can call it Malik's stuff, even if it was just Michael, because it was Michael, it was Michael going feral over Alex being kidnapped. So we can call it Malik's stuff. Um, feral Michael writes. So um, I saw Amanda your gift set, which was hilarious. Of um, Michael 
Michael's boot moving the plot along. I loved it. Um, <laughs> it was so cheesy, but I loved it. Like, of all the things to, like, to hearken back to or to have a parallel with, of like, Michael's boot of all things, but okay, like, it worked out. It was perfect. We, we knew it was going to be about that piece of paper, so this works out, I guess. And I love that little detail with Sanders. Like, they didn't have to have that in. Um, you know, it really didn't, it literally didn't do anything for the plot at all. But it was a nice little moment of, not only a little bit of comedy between the two of them, like that sort of gruff, like, you know, go back to work, you know, quit bothering me. But like a moment of like vulnerability for, for Walt too. That was really, that was really a good addition. I liked that. As many had theorized Michael finds out that Alex or you know um thinks that Alex could be in trouble because he finds the piece of paper um from the crash down and he goes to Alex's house and he finds Jesse such oh that scene was so satisfying because us three I know that we've been waiting since episode 106 for a showdown between probably before that even for a showdown between um Michael and Jesse or for Michael to finally have you know the opportunity to face Jesse and I was so scared that they weren't going to let him you know because Alex was in trouble Alex was kidnapped that they weren't going to let him be angry at Jesse um but they did and it was amazing I mean even when he does for a small second trust Jesse you know to possibly find out more of, of Alex's whereabouts like the, the, when he says you know I I'm, I could rip out your trachea or whatever he says oh hot hot well you know is there a part of me that wishes I mean this is just I mean, I'm watching a CW show. Is there a part of me that just wishes he could be like, you fucked my life up when you, you know, did this to my hand, like more like to his face, like beat the shit out of him, of course. But I think in terms of finally a showdown between uh, between the two of them and Michael getting out some of that rage, this was a good one because I think it was realizing and also calling Jesse out on his bullshit and saying like, I don't know what kind of shit you've pulled with Alex, but I'm not going to fall for it because I know exactly who you are like I mean it's very reminiscent of that moment in 112 where Michael's you know hesitant to forgive even Kyle and be like you know you know that's how are you are you gonna forget everything this asshole did to you or whatever he says um and I think he's much less likely to let things go and I think he's just been sort of waiting to be able to unleash and it was beautiful no it was definitely cathartic to see them to see Michael kind of even if he didn't really bring up what Jesse did to him just just kind of see him have that moment where he's everybody should get a, an opportunity to threaten Jesse absolutely I want one I want an opportunity to do that I want to jump on inside my screen and punch him in the face I, do want, I want to spend more time on the things that he said about Alex he's a loose end if we got him back from Flint you were gonna kill him you are barely human! Ooh, when I was a kid, I thought maybe because my high IQ, my, my species, was superior to yours. And I fell in love with your son. And I didn't feel superior anymore. I am angry. And 
smashing things, it's easy. Alex has evolved past that. He's past you. And he's past me, despite you. You slapping him around, shoving that means man crap down his throat. He still loves. He even loves you. You don't deserve to call him your son. Not only did the, 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 I fell in love with your son, but the idea that Alex actually changed Michael's view of humanity. Like, that's like a, that's, I mean, that's probably the most romantic thing that we've ever seen on this show. <laughs> like, right. all the, Which he's said before. I mean, he's said similar stuff before. He, he's hinted at that, but he's never outright said, like, Alex changed my, yeah. Right. Um, I think that it was this moment of like raw vulnerability. Like he's past you and he's past me. And I think it's another instance of, you know, not believing that he's any good, you know, which we've seen a million times. Like, and he says later, you know, now I'm this, I'm really thinking that Alex is, you know, like leaps and bounds better than he is when, you know, we know that's not true. And Alex knows that that's not true. Um, but it was just that his, the look on his face, you know, when he was saying all that to Jesse, I think was a turning point because it may not be wholly new, everything that he said, but I do think that that was a moment of, that was an incredibly important Malik's moment. And I, the, he's past me line. I was like, that was a, such an emotional scene before that one moment I was like face palming and be like, honey, no, no. Like, what part of what Alex did throughout this season has made, has, Mike, has made Michael think that? Because, like, he's done the complete opposite. He's been doing the complete opposite all season. Well, I mean, we've talked about it before. I mean, Michael does not get, doesn't believe him. I mean, when you have a lifetime of abandonment and, and low self-esteem, it's going to take more than just a few times of, of Alex saying whatever coming to him or, you know, it's, you, you can see that it's just, he's not this, he's not shocker upon shocker. Michael still has issues that he hasn't worked through no matter how much he's thrown himself in relationships that seem to be good for him. He hasn't worked on any issues. So, I mean, of course he's going to think that. Yeah. Um, I do, I do hope that that, leads to a point where they are are honest with each other over their feelings, their actual present feelings. Um, Because they've been hiding them for so long. So, yeah, that's what I hope. So we uh, find out that Flint is actually the one that has Alex. Um... With the detail that actually Jesse was the was the one that kidnapped Alex, and Flynn kidnapped Alex from Jesse's kidnap point, which was very confusing, and also kind of funny at that point because it's like just leave him alone, Jesus Christ. Um, so Flynn has Alex, and he is also Deep Sky. And I think, you know, the theory going around was that maybe Deep Sky wasn't evil. You know, it's totally evil. It's actually even worse than Project Shepard, apparently. Um, Because it stems from basically Jesse having gone soft, which I don't think he has. And wanting to actually move forward with what Project Shepard's plan for with the bomb were. Um, 
I want to address a little bit um, the fact that I've seen people be upset about um, Flynn being the one that kidnapped Alex. Um, because I think some people were hoping for a redemption arc for Flint, which I'm not saying is something that you shouldn't have hoped for, but I think that the narrative of this season wasn't leading to that, so I wasn't blindsided by it. Um, I do hope that they're not going to redeem Jesse and not redeem Flint. No, absolutely. Right, right, right. If, if anyone needs to not be redeemed, it's Jesse. There are other things, you know, Flint, there could still be an option for. And we've said we've said this before on the show that Jesse is a villain that should not ever in the course of the show be redeemed. We can have Flint be redeemed because he's also, you know, at the end of the day, he he's a victim of Jesse's abuse, too. And not that it excuses anything that he did, but he has more of a, a an ability to be redeemed, I think, and. Jesse should never, ever have a redemption arc. He should be bad from the until the day he dies. Yeah, you don't have to redeem everybody. Some people aren't redeemable. Michael has a showdown with Flint as well, which was also very sexy because him using his telekinesis like that was just perfect. I loved it. Um, so he has Flint um, tied to a chair. And what I think think was interesting about that scene is Flint actually saying that he only took Alex because he knew that Michael was gonna come up you know um and rescue him because he wanted to get to Michael um which if that doesn't tell you something watch the scene again look who, who look who they didn't kidnap right right um please who was, that. Who was also <laughs> who was also missing from the episode also I mean it truly it it truly comes down to when they want Michael to do something, look who they kidnap. What, what would have stopped them from, I mean, granted, you'd probably have to rework things here and there, but what would have stopped them from Maria being the one? Like, it wouldn't have really changed anything for this episode, at least. So, anyway, it's, it's, it's something to think about. I mean, you could argue that maybe Flint doesn't know, but then again, how does he know about Alex and Michael. Did Jesse tell him? Like, Right, he's clearly been paying you know, attention. Yeah, he's, he's, you know, he's done his research. And he's chosen his brother. So, anyway. Um, so, obviously, he says that um, if Michael doesn't cooperate with them, um, Alex, you know, he's gonna know that, you know, is gonna kill Alex, and Alex is gonna know that it's because Michael didn't help them, which is bullshit. Alex is never gonna think that anyway, but that convinces Michael to help them. Of course, it does. And we go back to Flynn's house, and there's this big revelation of Elena being part of Deep Sky. Hola, Michael. I'm Elena Ortego. Why? Ah! What the hell? It's a special drug developed at Caulfield. It won't harm you at all. But you won't be able to use any telekinetics until it wears off. It'll keep you honest. I want to see Alex. Oh. You will. 
after you built me this bomb. Which the most the most soap opera thing I've ever seen on Roswell, New Mexico, was that like reveal or like her <laughs> talking to Michael about it. I mean, it felt like I was watching some like I don't know, like daytime soap. I don't know. That was a very odd moment. And like the dramatic looks up and the camera zooming in that they did this this episode a lot. I was like, okay, this is this is not General Hospital, guys. So, um, yeah, so he doesn't have his powers um, because they stab him with something or other. And then she asks him to build the bomb. Uh, if he wants, you know, if he wants, if he wants Alex to be um, freed, and if he, if he wants to see Alex again, which again, the in, the emphasis on him asking to see Alex again, if people don't see something there, please pay more attention. But um, that moment is, you know, the one that really tells you because because from the promo from from next episode, we know that he is going to build the bomb. Of course, he is. So that's the moment that really, you know, you have the flashback to the scene of Isabel saying, you know, is there really nobody in this world that you wouldn't raise Kanek to save? And of course it's Alex. That's being clear from that, you know, one or two when they pan to Alex look, and they got to Alex. I mean, of course. Look, that that is my favorite Malik scene of all time. That's the moment where I was like, okay, this is it for me. So that we're now that we're getting back to that, I I'm very excited because that that's my favorite moment, my favorite line. It it's everything to me and I I'm so excited that we're we're getting back to it. Well, and I think you know, we all we we knew. I mean, none of us were surprised that of course Alex is that person that he would risk everything to save, but again, it's important that it's Alex. Like it's just so much time this season building towards this, you know, would Michael risk everything for Alex, even as he's walking away the million times that he did this season. And of course he will. None of us are surprised by that. But also, if you're going to have this, maybe let them be happy next season. But <laughs> Like if you're going to build towards this and spend all of your time and look who was kidnapped to get Michael's attention or get Michael's help, then, you know, maybe they deserve to have some laughs. I don't know. Give them a hopeful ending this season, mayhaps. I'll settle for a hopeful ending. They don't even have to be together. The one thing that I do, this is just a bit of, a bit of theory for next, next week. I don't know. I just hope that Michael, being the genius that he is, he figures out a way to build the bomb in a way that doesn't, work like the bomb doesn't actually work but nobody else notices but him because he's a genius so that that bomb doesn't actually do anything but he's the only one that knows um i don't know if they're they're, cla- they're that clever to do that but um that's my hope well i think there's definitely going to be like a like a death star kind of thing where there's a weakness that he builds into it and you know has to. It has to. There's no way that he's going to build a bomb that actually works to kill people like him. He's too smart for that. Um, okay, so that was our 2.11 recap. We'll be back next week with Shocker, episode 12. Um, and you guys can reach out um, via 
Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr at Queer Alien Blast. We're also at notthatcomplicated.net. And again, if you guys can take some time to um, go through the resources and ways to support Black, Black Lives Matter and Black LGBTQ organizations um, and other queer organizations since this Pride Month, um, and that would be lovely. So thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.